You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hi, Mickey. What's with the bounty paper hey, towels you're holding up? Are they? Well, this oh. is. This is uh, how much do you think this cost me, Bob? It's a roll of paper towels. I don't know, thirty-five dollars. <laughs> Five dollars, Bob. <laughs> well, well, fucking, good. In inflation, it must be in check because I would have guessed thirty-five for a fucking roll of paper towels. And you, you don't, you don't even want to get into this, man. Oh, the toilet paper? Not with you, no. Thanks, anyway. Yeah, no. Um, the seven dollars uh, for a four pack of toilet paper. Bargain. I would have gotten two. The um, um, so inflation, yeah, inflation was up toll. seven and a half percent, seven and a half percent. And I have a I have a question about inflation. It it seems to me, you know, AOC has uh, was quoted as saying there's something wrong with capitalism recently. Everybody <laughs> I think her. she's been quoted more than once. Yes. Okay, but I think she has a point with inflation because the cycle of capitalism with respect to its inflation is uh, just the time when working class wages start to rise, people start freaking out about inflation and they clamp down on the recovery and they always over clamp down. So we have a recession mm-hmm. and we never have that adjustment where the, because workers are more in demand, they take a bigger share of the pie. The, the, there's, the, the cycle always interrupts that and stockbrokers never take a cut. They never say, Stockbrokers are making too much money, so infl- there's a danger of inflation. We better clamp down on the economy. It's always the, the people who are in the, the, the you know the biggest group, which is regular workers, and uh, it just seems very unfair. And it, it, all all the uh, there's something wrong. All the uh, what's the word? The, the stickiness in the system, the clumsiness in the system, works to prevent the adjustment where workers grab more of the pot. Yeah, first a word about stockbrokers, as long as you brought them up. My understanding is, and this was the case last time I checked, like 10 years ago, that the standard bonus structure is that when the stocks they pick go up, they get a piece of the action. But when they go down, when they have a bad year, or maybe it's on an annual basis, so they get a bonus when when things go up, uh, but they don't get penalized when things go down. And when you think about it, in addition to being, you know, uh, just treating, you know, the already well-to-do pretty well, it that would tend to in- encourage gambling on their part when you think about it and introduce volatility into the system. Anyway, right. and, and boosterism and, and mindless boosterism. And yeah, just right. it doesn't make them as risk averse as they should be. Selling people things they shouldn't buy. So, um, um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, I I don't know. I don't, you know, I mean, I don't know the actual answer to your question. I do know that I'm in favor of redistribution and taxing rich people. And that this is kind of one of the reasons. Um, And so I, I, I'm less in favor, but I do want people to earn as much money as they reasonably can. And the system seems stacked against them. That's all. I've heard that complaint. I, I don't deny it. I haven't really looked into that complaint per se. I mean, the you know, the inflation this time around has really unusual. Uh, you know who else is contributing to inflation? These gosh darn Canadian truckers. Well, it, it, bottling I, up the I, supply. I do tend to agree with Matt Iglesias when they start shutting down our auto industry. It's time to take action. Time to bring out the drone strikes, you think? 
Can you do this drone strikes? Isn't it, can we like sure. drench them? With, sure, they're not Americans. With, yeah, you can use with, drone strikes on any non-Americans who annoy you. That is, I think some of them, I think some of them are Americans. Um, eh, collateral damage. Anyway, um, so what are we going to talk about? We're confronting the post-Zucker era here. You know, I will say one thing about Zucker. I, I, I wrote this down because it was, I found it so touching. It just, just gosh darn moving. Uh, so um, according to the Los Angeles Times, in a meeting between uh, some of CNN's staffers and its corporate leadership, CNN correspondent Jamie Gangle shared that, as young people say, she shared that. Four members of the Congressional Committee investigating January 6th had called Jamie Gangle to say that Zucker's exit left them, quote, his exit from CNN left them, quote, devastated for our democracy, Mickey. Without know, Jeff I'm, Zucker at the helm, how will American democracy survive? I, I, still, I still haven't recovered. I'm prowling the halls of the core club where he's been seen dining with Ben Smith. Has he? Hoping, hoping I can talk him into like, you know, doing something more for democracy. But maybe Ben Smith will enlist him in his new media venture. That's uh, why would that be stupid? Could I just quickly review Jeff Zucker's contributions to democracy? Okay, so first of all, he brought us Trump. Had it not been for The Apprentice, Trump would not be with us. And then during the campaign, he chose to have CNN telecast all of Trump's speeches forever because they were good for ratings. That helped Trump get elected. Then once Trump was elected, he he turned CNN into the flagship of the resistance or one of many competing flagships for the resistance, which only intensified support for Trump, of course, because they rightly perceived uh, that the mainstream media had turned uh, anti-Trump. And so that further polarized America and those are Jeff Zucker's main contributions to American democracy. And I mean, I, I guess I should. My my contention was always that for all his flaws, Trump's presidency was good for America. <laughs> um, uh, you scoff, but think, imagine if Hillary had been elected, all the forces that led to Trump would still be building and building and building, and we would just have had the explosion. Four years later, perhaps with a more responsible leader. Well, uh, that's the point. Inevitably, a more you can't na- you cannot name an American who would be a less responsible spokesperson for the forgotten Americans. Michael Avenatti. He would not be worse than Trump. He would not be worse than Trump. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. Uh, Are you kidding? Trump He's, did a few things well. He did a few things well. Did, what, uh, remind me. Well, the border, he he went, he went, he tried A, he tried B, he tried C, and eventually C and D worked, and the border came under but control. But he didn't even build his damn wall, which actually would no, have been a gift to Biden, by the way. Maybe that's why he no, didn't he do it. No, he should have built the wall, but but he intimidated Mexico into stopping the 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 surge, and he instituted the Remain in Mexico pro- program with which was sort of a masterstroke that uh, Biden killed. I have so, a question. Um, I have a question about Trump. Uh, the um. So according to the canons of journalism, it's supposed to take three data points to make a trend. I only have two, but you tell me. Does you only need be- two to these days. Oh, really? The internet is has sped things is, up. If you, that's inflation too? If, if you wait for three, you're, you're going to get left behind. Okay. So go for it. Well, the question is, is the trend, you know, uh, 
that Republican elites finally turn on Trump decisively. And you can probably guess the two data points. Uh, one is Pence, I guess a week or a little more ago, coming out and and saying and on January 6th, he did the right thing. And, and in a way more directly than he ever had before confronting Trump on that issue, though not by name. Um, and the other is Mitch McConnell, uh, denouncing the Republican National Committee's characterization of the January 6th uh, rioters as what? What is it? Uh, exer- legi- exercising legitimate political discourse or whatever the term was. That was right. also pretty close to a rebuke of Trump. And those are two, you know, those are two big guys. Should we? Am I reading too much into this? You're reading too much into it. I, 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 I they're both good moves. I think, especially McConnell, but, uh, but no, the, the, the you know, the, the, um. The tr- source of Trump's supporter are voters, not McConnell. So, so, uh, so what I, what the it, RNC did is more of a bellwether than what either of these two people did. I think the RNC didn't w- w- was a huge mistake, but I don't think the voters were demanding that. Uh, and uh, and you know, I went back and read the statement, hoping that there was some it was being taken out of context by the press, the legitimate political discourse. And there is a reading where you can say, well. Some of the protests were there for legitimate political discourse, but it's 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 a pretty uh, tenuous uh, thing to hang your hat on. So, um, uh, I, 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 is there is there a huge grassroots demand for Liz Cheney's head? I don't think so. There's a Trump demand for Liz Cheney's head, and there's a voter support for Trump. But I don't think voters are baying for Liz Cheney to be thrown out of the party. The, the party's going to decide whether to throw around, and they probably will. Tell, tell me this. Ha, can you name Trumpist elites, you know, from, from media to politics, from Tucker Carlson to Josh Hawley, can you name Trumpist elites who you are sure actually want Trump to run for re-election again? No, I think every, I think, uh, uh, I think the vast majority of them secretly don't. Uh, but um, does will that hurt him? I mean, will that make it less likely to wind up does, with a nomination? Does Tucker Carlson not want? I think Tucker may want Trump to run again. That's uh, an interesting. I question. think Laura Ingram may want Trump to run again. You, but you know, you know, Carlson is already feeling, at least at a visceral level, some sense of rivalry. I'm sure he's already thinking that he could be the leader of the movement, leaving aside whether he plans to run for office. Right. I used to think that he could still be the leader of the movement, and Trump hasn't re- hasn't reacted jealously against him the way he has against other people who might pose threats. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe he made a secret promise to Trump that he wouldn't run against him. Who knows? Maybe uh, he's gone. I, I sort of think he's gone too far to. He, he sort of uh, destroyed his viability by adopting some of these crazy. Audience capture, audience capture. But uh, I'm sure he's quite happy doing what he's doing. But um, what's his craziest uh, thing? Like the documentary? I think the documentary. But I haven't haven't tried to catalog all of them. Have you seen the documentary? I've not seen the documentary. We should watch that and talk about it in the parrot room someday. Um, uh, That'd be good. Um, Or even or even here. Um, So. So uh, but that's a good question you asked. And um, I'm trying to think. Josh Hawley would rather Trump not run. Tom Cotton presumably would rather Trump not run. Uh, uh, I, you know, maybe. Um, now, is that because they I don't know. want to run or because they just think he's 
toxic at this point. It, it opens up because they have his ideas. And, and if he's gone, it opens up new career possibilities for them. Yeah. Uh, even, even somebody like Mo Brooks, probably, you know, uh, he, he has aspirations. He wants to be a senator. Uh, you know, he, he could um, he could do great things if, uh, if, you know, if he had an open field. Uh, so, uh, do what's it? Do, do the people at American Greatness want Trump to run? I mean, I must know some people who really want Trump to run. But Steve give me, Bannon, give me a week. Steve, Steve Bannon, man, give me a week and I'll give me a week and I'll think of some. I think Trump is good business for Steve Bannon, right? Uh, probably. Although on the other hand, Bannon, I, mean, I, I think, is actually committed to the movement. So if he sees Trump as an obstacle, um. He could he 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 could always go back to biosphere too. He could he could come full circle in the biosphere. Uh, um, um, so uh, there there's this. Um, I had this flash of well, well, now Congress is passing all these like nickel and dime bills that actually are probably on balance good, like eliminating our mandatory arbitration for sexual harassment cases and. Post office reform and the this electoral is in, in what in what venues uh, the arbitration is among in government uh, offices no, or private, what? private I think private Congress I think, can I think do it that? Means you, uh, oh oh uh, it had been mandatory under um, I don't think so I think I, that's a good question maybe I have it wrong uh, can Congress hmm. just say this this clause in contracts is illegal under the Commerce Clause maybe I don't know. You wouldn't think. I don't know. Uh, okay. Anyway, you're I happy. Was, I was ra- I was raised under the the. Uh, I was taught in in law school that they could do anything under the Commerce Clause. So, okay, that turns out to be wrong, but um, but virtually anything. Um, uh, and and so people are saying, well, Biden would have been better, better would have been a much better and more successful president if they hadn't won both seats in Georgia. He wouldn't have had a majority. He would have had to pass all these little bills. He would look good. He would do whatever he was doing on the virus. Uh, and he wouldn't have had the massive failure of Build Back Better and the overstimulus of his stimulus bill, which gave us, contributed to the inflation. So, uh, but he didn't do that. Or that didn't happen. He, 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 he got it in his head. He was a new FDR and is heading for a massive failure in that regard. And I just had this flash that if they get really destroyed in the midterms, which looks highly possible, mm-hmm. uh, he'll just give up. He'll just say, okay, I'm tired. I'm quitting. Let Kamala Harris take the loss. Uh, give her give her a year to show she's a good president and, uh, you know, and she can get primaried. And uh, but I'm I'm done. Uh you, don't you think that's possible? You're, you're prone to paranoid fantasies, and this is definitely something you don't want to happen. Why? So this would this would kind of fall in that category. No, that's not. Why do I happen. not want it to happen? Why do I not want you, it to happen? I think you fear Kamala Harris at some kind of visceral level, which we may may no, explore in the paranoia. No, I don't fear Kamala Harris. She's so incompetent that she's nothing to fear. You sure? The, the, I guess there's a foreign policy worry that that she would uh, she would you know, screw things up, but that's, you know, she's proving herself, Bob, they've sent her to, to the Munich conference to help talk, uh, keep NATO in line about Ukraine. It doesn't that build your confidence. There will be peace in our time, as I understand it, as a result of that. Uh, 
That was my biggest tweet of the week. By the way, it was it was a weird tweet. I just put the I put the I I, I linked to the news story saying Kamala Harris going to solve the Ukraine crisis and wrote yikes. And I not only did I get a huge response, but I got an incredible number of comments. People felt the need to pile on Kamala Harris. I usually get like six comments. I got 212 or something. It was weird. She is not beloved. She's or not. She has, a, she, de- she has a dedicated clack of haters. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, who who is on? Who is on her side? The wine, wine mom, a subset of the wine moms. Who? I don't. I don't. That's a very good question. They, they, they may be the same people as the um, Republicans who want Trump to run again. <laughs> I mean, they should a get tiny together. Vanishing for, minority. Form a third uh, party. The two of them. Um, uh, it probably doesn't even include Willie Brown. So what the hell? Let's don't go there, Mickey. What are you insinuating about Kamala Harris's rise through the through the ranks, Mickey? I think Willie Brown was a help to her. Everybody agrees with that. Um, so uh, and and she went out with Willie Brown. Everybody agrees with that. So I don't see <laughs> what's so risque about it all. I like the phrase "went out." Did they go to the theater? I probably the opera in San Francisco is very good. Maybe they went to the opera. It is said to be. Uh, it is said to be. Um, so that could be it. Um, so okay, so you don't like my flash of uh, of Biden? I I don't see it as paranoia. I just see it as, in fact, I I since no, I, I I'm sort of more worried about Biden actually winning a second term, and being completely senile during a second term, uh, uh, than I am of Kamala uh, governing for one year of inaction. Unless that's unless that's the moment where China chooses to invade Taiwan, but keep in mind. Kamala is so incompetent that she's like Trump. She's unpredictable. You don't know. She might order a nuclear strike. She's so incompetent, right? You don't I, know. I don't see a nuclear strike. So, so China has to worry about that. She's she she's not like, you know, the the standard blob person. You can know what the you know what the blob's gonna do, right? What is the blob gonna do? Oh, you mean you do know what the blob's gonna do? Yeah, the blob is gonna uh insist that we stand by the Ukrainian people by not doing the one thing that could keep them from getting invaded. The blob is adamant. That's what the blob what, is doing. What did you think of uh, of that Richard Haas article that I sent you? Uh, I, I just kind of glanced at it. I, I just was appraising uh, it for possible he, peace. You know, I, I was thinking about writing peace about it and it didn't work for that. He, I mean, Haas, I did see a tweet of his where he says, uh, Okay, I think Biden's done all that he can do, which means, you know, he's with the blob consensus that you shouldn't do the one thing that would stop the invasion, uh, which is uh, well, just say, yeah, actually, you're right. We we do not honestly plan to admit Ukraine to NATO. Yeah, right. We admit it. We're done. Uh, he, he, um, right. He, he, uh, he, his, his, the basic thrust of the Haas piece was, uh, it's not that Putin has us where he wants us. We have Putin where we want him. He has very few options. And I do think Biden's policy has been sort of, am I crazy? Shockingly successful in saying, when he goes around and says, Russia is about to invade Ukraine, that's fairly effective at forestalling a Russian invasion of Ukraine. Not only is it reverse psychology, it's sort of, uh, you know, Russia wants to prove us wrong and doesn't, doesn't want to seem like a predictable villain in the eyes of the world. So they have to do something else for a while. 
uh, and their and their window apparently only extends to mid March. Oh, when you they, know, they I don't know. Can these, no longer sustain. Look, you just can't tell me that once the snow melts, if they really had to invade Ukraine, you know, it was essential for their own self preservation. They would just go, "Gosh, I don't know what to do." You know, how will we do these drone strikes when it's muddy? I mean, they can <laughs> they can find a way. Come on. And the it's, other. The, the, the newest wrinkles are going to attack the coast and also attack Moldova, whatever Moldova is. Oh, uh, I also don't think it's going to be. I still don't think they're going to try to even put troops in Kiev. Now, the, today's news was that uh, the invasion is closer than we think. After yesterday's news being, well, maybe the standoff could go forever. But in any event, the Olympics will. When did the Olympics end? Soon, within days, right? And at that point, the the it certainly becomes more possible that he'll do it. And I'm sure the, the thawing thing is some consideration, in which case you would expect, you know, that the two weeks after the Olympics end, two or three weeks will be uh, important weeks. But, but Haas, Haas did uh, offer some off ramps for Putin to save face. Like what? Uh, well, he pointed out that Biden, he, he pointed out that Biden had said, Oh, we're not going to admit them anytime soon, uh, and and he pointed out that well, we can we can rearrange our missiles and you know right. reduce the missile threat, uh, and it's not enough. But at least there was something there. Uh, right, I but, agree but you it can't it wasn't nearly enough. You can't just mumble these things in a kind of kind of incremental way. You have to decide what is the most that Biden feels politically he can say about Ukraine and NATO by way of reassuring Russia. And then he has to save that. OK, they, they have to work it out between among the diplomats. And then he has to come out and say, we'll do this and this and this with missiles. And but we didn't do that. With, we didn't do that with the with the U2 with the Cuban Missile Crisis. Well, they never said publicly what the deal was at all. And it was uh, a secret deal. Right. Well, that worked. Yeah, but this can't work because the, the goal here is Putin needs to save face. I mean, happily, at that point, you know, in the early 60s, the Soviets uh, didn't demand more face saving than they got. Fine. But I think uh, Putin, by common reckoning, has put himself in a position where it's extremely hard for him to back down if we give him zero items on his wish list. Remember, his wish list consists of all of this shit. And, and, and uh, you know, that we're not definitely not going to do, you know, like disassemble, you know, the, go back in time and undo the last two decades worth of growth of NATO and all that or whatever it is. But the one thing everyone agrees that is essential. Well, first of all, that's really important to him. And and and, and by the way, you know, uh, people have been people in the know have been saying this for a long time about Russia, that it isn't just Putin. It's all Russian elites. Peter Beinert had a thing about this in his newsletter, quoting Bill Burns, a memo he sent Condoleezza Rice in 2008, saying all Russian elites consider Ukraine a total red line. If you let if you talk about bringing Ukraine into NATO, you're giving Russia an invitation to mess around in Crimea and eastern Ukraine. Bill Burns spelled it all out in 2008 in a memo to the Bush administration, which nonetheless went out and promised NATO membership to Ukraine. There, 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 there's, there's this idea out there that Russia doesn't really care about the NATO business. They really care more about other things. Is that bullshit? Well, they also, uh, no, I, they, they also care about other things. There is definitely a fear 
of Ukraine drifting away. And and that includes economic integration with Europe. Yes, there is that here, but they're not demanding anything on that front now. So to get back to Putin's face saving, what the, the absolute minimum, I think, for face saving purposes is we have to say something more definitive about Ukraine and NATO than we've said so far. And I would advise them to wait, store it up, work the terms out under the table with Putin, you know, and then come out and and, and say it. And Putin goes, OK, I won and withdraw no. the troops. Isn't the obvious way that plays is, it, is not that way. It's the way to do it is you reach an impasse. And then you have a third party like Macron or somebody come in and force the United States reluctantly to give this uh, concession to Putin. And the more dramatic you make it, the way you make it like a ringing, a reluctant deal, the more face Putin saves uh, for the same results. So if but, we just concede by ourselves, that's not nearly as dramatic. It has to be really forced down our throats. But the concession is ultimately articulated by the U.S. in this scenario. By Biden. Yeah, you also better we sign a deal saying we're not going to make Ukraine part of NATO. Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, it may not even quite take something on paper. I don't know. Because I, I do think it's, I, I'd be happy to see that, but I do think it's uh, that Putin, you know, we've made it seem reasonably unattractive. Well, um uh, invading and uh, but you never know. But we, I, I think we there's just no excuse for not doing more than we've yeah. done. I I agree. But then then the question is, what's to stop Putin from coming back in two years and saying, okay, now let's tackle the economic integration of Ukraine and Europe. I don't like that. What's the concession you're going to give me there? Well, first of all, that's strictly speaking between him and Europe. The the United States isn't part of the European Union. Uh, Secondly, what I would advise is what they should have done in the first place in 2014 is say, why don't we try to work out a deal where some degree of integration of, of Ukraine into the European economy, certainly short of full-fledged EU membership, which wasn't on the table even then, it was associate membership, but but work out a deal where that can be compatible with uh, sustaining uh, more of the economic relationship between Russia and Ukraine. My understanding is that at the time, uh, Russia was going to have to give up, you know, Ukraine in order to get associate membership, uh, I think, uh, was maybe even was going to have to raise some tariffs with respect to Russia or something. Anyway, I, I don't know. But look, it's one crisis at a time. Right now, they're focused on Russia's focus on NATO. Well, the people who worry about Munich appeasement worry that it will just encourage. Okay, but remember, Munich itself was like, a few days after Hitler invaded and took this chunk of Czechoslovakia, that's when Munich happened. It wasn't to forestall an invasion. Now, you could say, well, this is after Crimea. Well, okay, but that was eight years ago and blah, blah, blah. I mean, the the, the Munich analogy just is not very strict. First of all, it's not like we're giving somebody immediate positive reinforcement for invading, which Munich was. Plus, Putin, not a great guy, but also not Hitler. Um, I, 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 that seems more more that second argument seems better. The first one, well, you're rewarding him for seeming for being about to invade. So I don't see the big difference. The argument well, does. is I think there's a it, very big difference. But does, does does appeasing show weakness or does it actually appease? And that's always the question. And the answer is sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. So. I mean, the question is sometimes, how to spell the difference. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. But I mean, I, I just, you know, we have so mismanaged this relationship for decades that, you know, 
we just how, may have to eat a little crow. There's how just, much of it is is because the Ukrainian lobby is very strong. You know, it's funny you should uh, mention that because Bernie Sanders had a kind of debate with Dick Durbin on the Senate floor the other day. You know, Sanders was, God bless him, was doing the whole, like, look at this from Russia's point of view. This is as if uh, Mexico signed up with China and, and accepted Chinese troops and weapons or Russian troops and weapons. Dick Durbin took him on and, of course, first of all, you know, articulated the standard misconception, which is, oh, so you're excusing uh, Putin's behavior. Sanders had to straighten him out. But then at the end, uh, Durbin says, you know, my my constituents in Illinois of Ukrainian descent, of Polish descent, of uh, a Baltic descent. So he's got he's got them on his mind. And I mean, if you ask why was NATO expanded in the first place? The arms control, the, I mean, the arms makers were lobbying for it. They had an official group committee to expand NATO. Uh, but aside from that, the only factor I've ever heard about is, uh, and again, I, I heard about them in Illinois. Durbin is Durbin is from Illinois, right? And, and you heard right. about these like uh, Polish Americans in the Chicago area or something. And so I think, uh, I, 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 I mean, right now, I think something different. I, I don't know that that an ethnic lobby is at the forefront of Biden's thoughts now. I think half of it is just the blob and fear of elite uh, blowback. Um, but why, why would why would they have been in fear of why would they want to preserve Durbin's seat back in back in whenever they did it? Nineteen ninety seven. I didn't even know what the deal was. I, I mean, first of all. Although I thought, the, I thought the big expansion was under George W. Bush. Why would he care? No, about no, no. The, the, the beginning of NATO expansion, when membership okay. was extended to Poland and and uh, who else? It was three countries. It was probably Poland, Hungary and Czechoslovakia. Yeah. But was it Czechoslovakia? Then? Yeah. Anyway, the um, uh, that was in 97. And what I've wondered is, did Clinton make that? promise in effect before he ran for re-election in 96 was he worried you wouldn't think he's worried about illinois right i mean that should be a safe state for clinton correct so i don't i don't know i, I don't know but that but you did hear about the, and look i mean it was the midwest broadly uh it wasn't just illinois where you had where you had some eastern european uh, some voters of eastern european extraction yeah i but don't know but give give the Biden team some credit. They're doing better than we feared, right? No. Well, again, they've done. Uh, given that they, I think, wisely ruled out uh, our, you know, the military intervention of NATO in Ukraine, I think they've done a good job of raising the costs uh, for Putin in terms of sanctions and so on. There is the possible downside of. Uh, funneling weapons into Ukraine, of it, of it getting more Ukrainians killed in the event that there is an invasion. But uh, the standard thinking is, yeah, he's done a good job of of uh, making invasion less appealing to Putin, but you got to now provide, give Putin a way out of the box you built, right? If you right. don't want the invasion. We're in agreement. We're in agreement. Now, Mitzi, back to these truckers. Uh, is this going to be the start of some huge global thing it has a little bit of that flavor right and and a little of that is happening been, i guess um yes but the, the europeans have, have have said they're going to be very tough about it they don't have our civil liberties to worry about and uh uh i, I you know that it hasn't happened 
big time in the United States yet either. Uh, so I think uh, that remains to be seen. I mean, the yeah. Canadians may be especially weak in terms of putting these people down. Uh, the I've been meaning to go back and reread the lyrics to Convoy. Remember the song Convoy? Yep. During uh, the CB radio craze. We got ourselves the Convoy. Um, uh, I w- there was some cause they were fighting for, but was it just incipient Trumpism or what was it? You mean the Canadians or the guys during no, Convoy? No, in the song. In the song? It was something political about the song. They weren't just, was there really? I didn't remember that. They weren't just starting a convoy for the hell of it. I mean, my my friends actually had CB radios in their cars, some of them. It was a whole thing. And you would and you I would ask truck had, oncoming truckers, you yeah. know, were there any speed traps? Speed traps. Yeah. And for a good buddy. Yeah. I got a uh you, you got a north what was there? You got a northbound looking. That was it. That what was, was it. What was what was their word for for sedans? They had some pejorative word for sedans. Although <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll uh, be happy to hear there are no sedans anymore. We're why all, are there Why are there no CB radios? They seem just as useful. Well, actually, now they finally are obsolete because did you know that Google Maps? This is more of a parrot roomy thing. It's so off topic, but uh, Google Maps tells you about speed traps. Without your asking, which I think is very ethically dubious. Do you remember when we were at the New Republic? Mike Kinsley, as I recall, would not accept ads. He probably had to talk Marty out of it. For radar detectors? Yes, for radar detectors, because he said, we do not encourage people to break the law. And Google, this giant thing that pervades our lives, is like, you know, is like injecting into our neurons without our knowing it, barely. Uh, you know, the incentive to break the law, encouragement to break the law. This is, they should be in jail. They should be in jail, uh, Mickey. They uh, should be in jail. Well, good. You can get them on that. Um, anyway, speaking of, speaking of laws that shouldn't exist, the, uh, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't think Hillary's email thing was a big deal. I thought. The server, you, you to, mean? Yeah, you have to, if you're running the government, you have to have some way to have a private communication that doesn't automatically go to the National Archives so historians of the future can 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 go over it. And same with Trump. He ripped up the piece of paper. I'm sure it was a violation of the Historical Records Act. The Historical Records Act is insane. Do we run the government only for purposes of historians? No, we want it to make policy. And to make good policy, you have to be able to have confidential, uh, you know, deliberations, even ones that will only come out 20 years from now. There's some people will be alive in 20 years and then they want it to come out. There are a lot of dubious laws, but you you don't, you can't go around letting everyone decide which laws they want to obey. But I'm not going to get real excited about uh, invasions of the Historical Records Act in Hillary's case or in Trump's case. Uh, Uh, They they, they can pass, they pass a law in Kenya where you're taxed 85% of your income. It's a law, but it's a stupid law, and people get more are given more moral leeway to disobey it. I just made that up. I don't know actually what the tax rate is in Kenya, but um, it was almost that high here for a while, wasn't it? Well, the marginal tax rate, yeah, yeah. Um, the um, but, back in the good old days, the the um, but one thing I would ask you is like, you know, Trump apparently actual actually took boxes of documents to Mar-a-Lago. Right, physical documents. Which got to take them somewhere. He's allowed. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's allowed to take boxes of documents. This idea that he like he can't keep any document—that's insane. 
Well, he has to keep copies, maybe. Okay. Well, no, but these are, I think, right. These are, I think, the sole copies of these. And my question is, like, what are the chances that he hasn't gone through and gotten rid of the ones that are closest to being incriminating with respect to the Stop the Steal movement? I think, I think it is bizarre. There are these gaps in his phone logs. I just find it hard to believe that Trump is that smart that he was aware as he was plotting on January 6th and before. He was aware enough to destroy all the evidence. He was. Do you really think he was that savvy? Maybe he was. No, and um, also, I mean, the, the tearing up the documents is apparently a long-standing habit of his. Yeah. It, it pres- and, and, and the good news for Trump uh, is, th- if this is the big scoop from Maggie Haberman's book, it ain't much. If that's all she's got, he's dodged was, the bullet from. Is this Maggie where that Haberman. came from? The, the document yeah, this is, came from her book. This is, yeah. This is a from Maggie Hammerman's big book called Confidence Man, which I'm sure is very good. But if if that's the only scoop, he's, you know. Also, like, what are the ethics on how long, if at all, a reporter for The New York Times can not report something in the paper so that she can report it later in her book? Well, the the same. Apparently, she's in the clear because she didn't have much for the book. Uh, it's Bob Woodward has a lot, you know, and the Newsweek team had a lot of more trouble that, you know, withholding things from the paper. And Woodward makes the judgment every now and then he publishes something, even though it could be in his book. Uh, the Newsweek thing eventually sort of where they had like some reporters reporting the real story and then that was held in confidence until after the election. But if they got a real scoop, weren't they honor bound to actually report it before the election when it might make a difference? And they didn't do it, and they produced a great book, but uh, it was a huge sort of ethical dilemma. Uh, and I think it sort of collapsed of its own weight um, or collapsed as a result of that dilemma. But uh, but Haberman doesn't seem to, you know, and maybe this was new stuff she discovered, you know, while researching the book. Uh, it was in the form of an interview that could have easily have taken place while she was researching the book, you know, when it wasn't news. Could be. So um, I, I I tend to think she's pretty ethical. She's bias because she's i think she's you know she's not withholding anything that might hurt trump you don't think she's destroyed documents um uh, so no. uh, uh so on, on the state mandate this is not unrelated to the canadian truckers i mean just as the canadian truckers just as this movement threatens to spread you've got these several blue states including yours right ending their mask mandates two I most populous sure, blue states th- new york I, and california but i don't think los angeles county has Oh. That's the most populous area of my populous blue state. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a mixed bag, but yes, that's going to take the wind out of their sails when there's no longer mandated. And I must admit, I have a, I'm trying to be left wing here, but uh, <laughs> I have, I have a, a, a you know, the, the, the Republicans are running around saying, uh, well, nothing's changed. All that's changed is the polling. Uh, you know, this is obviously political that all the, all these Democrats at once decided to get rid of the mandates. But no, something did change. Omicron went away. It's going away even as we speak. And so that would be a difference between now and early January when we weren't sure it was going away. So, uh, you know, and so they did it all at once. They all at once, they realized Omicron's going away. We can, we can raise the mandates. That's, that doesn't mean that they were complete hypocrites they, or, they, or even that they weren't following the science. It could just be, you know, things that changed. It, it, that's certainly what 
what sealed the deal for me in terms of not wanting wanting the man in terms of wanting the mandates to go away is well look there's, there's no more the virus isn't out there anymore so well i mean it's kind of out there the, the uh, but it, it will be interesting to see if now we just you know adapt to an environment with some amount of covid floating around uh, and put our faith in a combination of of the way you know the vaccine you know dulls the impact of the the virus and you know these these the new therapies the notably the Pfizer one well, in in principle the combination of those things should make this kind of like it'll the flu. Depend, it'll depend how low the virus goes right now it looks like it's augering for the center of the earth and is going down to zero I doubt it I doubt it'll do that but uh it's a pretty precipitous fall. And if I think if you look at South Africa as as the precursor, it basically went away in South Africa and now a new one has come back. Now the 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 uh, I think the stealth the stealth Omicron has come back, or there's some other variant that's come back. Well, there's another but, yeah, there's a related alarming thing, which I think that I think there's evidence that having had Omicron gives you less protection against getting it again. Than having had earlier variants gave you against getting them again, and and uh, but we'll see. Um, the and the other issue is uh, the you know the, all the ire is, has shifted from the unvaxxed who, if you remember from last week, I said it was only fifteen percent of adults. It's actually only thirteen percent of adults uh, are unvaxxed, completely unvaxxed. Uh, to the booster take up, which is is the main. Failure of public policy now is the booster rate take up rate is like fifty four percent or something. It's like around hovering around fifty percent. And why aren't people getting boosted? Even if people have already had two shots, so they're not truckers. They, well, actually, the truckers are pretty well vaccinated. It turns out, but um, they're just against the mandate. But uh, the uh, you know w- what would stop somebody who has who's had two vaxes from getting the booster and you know, David Lenhard wrote a column about this, and he said, "Well, maybe the problem is the fragmented nature of our healthcare system. They nobody really, they don't really know where to go to get the booster. Nobody, nobody calls them on the phone and says you have to get the booster." That's sort of true, although, you know, even Medicare wouldn't stop that because Medicare is fractured too. So if we had Medicare for all, we still have that problem. And then he said, "Well, people." The, the the public spokesmen have been too nuanced. They've been too complicated. They haven't delivered the clear message. You got to get the booster. I don't care what. Uh, we, they said, well, you got to get the booster if you're, you know, in a, in a risk group or if you're that or that or that. They never said everybody get the boosters from the start. I think a much more plausible reason is all the the, the two vaccines had side effects. The media has covered them up. They weren't that important, but I had side effects. Most people, about half the people I know, have had some kind of side effect. And they said they didn't want to take the booster because they didn't want more side effects. That seems obvious. And, I, and since I wrote that, I've gotten all this feedback, mm-hmm. uh, you know, supporting feedback saying, you know, that's exactly why I didn't take it. Because, because you know, I, didn't, I, I, I figured I was good enough and I didn't want any more grief. Uh, By the so way, they, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead and finish. Go ahead. I was going to no. say, your hypothesis, I think this was a parrot room hypothesis, that Bob, was it Saget or Saget? Saget. Uh, that he and maybe some others had died because boosters are bad for you. That 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 hypothesis took a turn for the worse this week when they found that he died of blunt head trauma. Yes. So are you Although abandoning one, that hypothesis? 
Not abandoning that pilot, abandoning it for Bob Saget. Yeah, but but meanwhile, I assume you're coming up with whole new conspiracy theories about Bob Saget. <laughs> I could, but I, I don't think I want to. Um, sure, no, he, he, one head trauma, man, on the back. It's, it, How easy is that? Not I easy. I don't. I don't quite. I, back I don't, of the head by somebody who who'd seen uh, seen that movie. The who didn't think those home videos were so damn funny. I don't know. <laughs> the um, uh, no, but uh, it's weird. I once I once hit my head and. And Mike Kinsley insisted on waking me up in the middle of the night. And I guess he had a point uh, to see if I, but what do you do if, if uh, how do you, if the person's unresponsive, you somehow rush them to the hospital and they somehow can save them and the brain bleed, I guess. I, I guess think there are possible. people who are going to want a little elaboration on the context of this whole thing with Mike, but maybe not. He was house sitting and I was uh, freeloading in one of the spare rooms of his house. Sit. Okay. Um, and I, I, I was riding around in the yeah. jeep, and the guy abruptly stopped, and my head hit the roll bar. But that was the front, really hard. That was the front. It was the front is stronger, yeah. Well, no, but uh, but also it's just easier to inadvertently hit the front of your head than it is to hit the back of your head, which is what happened. The, with the front is much the, the your skull is much stronger up here. So, um, anyway, uh, I didn't die, and uh, yes. Yeah, so the but well the troll, um. Are you ready to? Are you are you sticking with your opposition to gerrymandering, even though it's turned out that gerrymandering is helping the Democrats and may save them? Was I a big anti gerrymanderer? Oh, oh God! Oh, let's go to the videotape. <laughs> well, I recently had some blunt head trauma. I may have forgotten a lot of stuff. What did I? What did I? What did I use? This say? is a gimme. All you have to do is say yes. I'm against gerrymandering, and you're like, and you're. Oh yes, you I'm, I'm religious. It's it's like a it's like almost a okay. jihad level of opposition. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well. Well. well um, go okay. Ahead. Well, we've taken your number. Uh, the but um, you wonder if 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 this gerrymandering thing, which is supposed to, in itself hand Congress to Republicans is turning out to be a plus for Democrats. What are the other things that are going to turn around and, and also be uh, a plus for Democrats? You know? Well, what I had always wondered, well, before we get to that, I mean, first of all, I don't think it's clear that it's a plus for Democrats. They are finding that in some states, the Democrats are gerrymandering to their benefit. I, I never denied that that was one thing I was not was someone who said, the Republicans are these evil people who will gerrymander. I mean, I realized that it was just because they controlled more state legislatures that they were winning the gerrymandering game, whatever else I said about it. But, did, but, but yeah. Weren't you in principle against gerrymandering? I mean, I'm against it in principle. Yeah, I'd like to see a truce. I'd like to see neither side do it. But I'm probably well, more out. Yeah. A, soci a society where voters feel their vote doesn't count because 90% of the elections are foreordained. Is a is a, is a society of alienation and apathy. Right. Uh, we don't want that. No, it's bad. Now, in a short term sense, it shouldn't affect the composition of the national legislature, assuming that the state legislature, you know, reflects the landscape of actual opinion. One thing I didn't understand was why were Republicans so good at controlling state legislatures? More good than you would expect on the basis of like national presidential popular votes and stuff. Why was that? Uh, is I don't quite understand that either. That's a good point. But but of course, gerrymandering can reflect the, I mean, gerrymandering can skew the balance of power in Congress, right? You know, you you understand that. Well, yeah, but but I mean, what I mean is, if you assume that like, let's say there's, there's a, um, 
well, anyway, the, the, yeah, yeah, it can happen. It can happen. I, I wouldn't predict that one party or the other would be more inclined um, to be able to use it to their advantage, I guess. You know, it's the question of why Republicans are better at winning state legislature elections. Um, well, you would think the Democrats would have the advantage because it's easier to do in big states where you have a lot of pieces to move around. And two of the three big states are Democratic. So that's an interesting possibility uh, you would think i mean i would always i would think it's a risky game to begin with uh but i i have it's a risky it. game because you the, there's sort of two strategies there's the protect incumbent strategy or there's the and there's the where you like give yourself a 60 40 advantage in all the districts you care about or there's the right. go for broke advantage where you give yourself a 52 48 and you hope right. to win a whole lot of seats uh by one point Right. And that can really backfire on you because you could lose a whole lot of seats by one point. Right. The more districts uh, you try to win, the more precarious your advantage is in the average district. Right. Um, so uh, anyway, OK, well, we'll let the viewers decide whether you are a flaming hypocrite or not. Now, my question is this Marjorie, this Marjorie Taylor Greene thing. Do you think this was intentional, this, this gazpacho police thing? I huh. thought. You think it was stray voltage? Well, I, I, I just the first thing I thought is this is obviously good for her to have all these snobby elites making fun of her. I mean, it's a perfect thing, right? Because gazpacho is not a food of the people, right? Because I had never heard of gazpacho until I came to the East Coast. It was about the time I heard about brie, you know? It's like it, it, it's it's kind of snobby food. Gazpacho it, has come to West Texas. Well, everything has come everywhere by now, I guess, and the lag I is is. Probably I remember less I was once less. driving through West Texas, which is, yeah, you know, after you, three hours out of El Paso, it's like the most godforsaken place in the world. Hey, hey, hey! Those thinking, are my people, buddy. I, are, I, was, I mean, look, can I just say, three hours out of El Paso, headed east, is like literally where my parents grew up. So careful, okay. careful. There's, there's some little town there, like San Anselmo or Saint Saint Somebody. Uh, Sierra Nevada or sometime like that. <laughs> and um and, and I, I mean, you're roughly station. in the Midland Odessa area at that point. And I, but, no, you're, you're not quite there yet. And I was I was saying I'd really like, you know, one of those little Starbucks coffees, you mm -hmm. know, pre-made coffees in a little container. This is when they right were they were starting to be introduced. Mm -hmm. And I stopped at the only gas station in Sierra Blanca, I think is the name of the town. Mm. And um uh and they had them. <laughs> I realized. We really have a national culture. Wait, they had what? They had these those pretentious little Starbucks coffees, cappuccino in a glass. Well, yeah, Starbucks know? is a nationwide chain. Yeah. Well, that, that's the point. They're they're bringing the nationwide culture, and they'll they'll you know somebody has nationwide to gazpacho too. Anyway, I I don't I don't think uh, <laughs> Any my my esteem of for for Marjorie Taylor Greene, which you know cannot go any higher, could um would be enhanced. If she did it intentionally, I don't think so. I mean, it could be a mistake. I, it's an obvious. I, who among us has not walked into a restaurant and ordered a bowl of Gestapo? It's an obvious. You know, it, it happens. To it's a metal place, but it's yeah, but but I just you know, it's so perfect for her for everybody to be down on her. It's like it reminds me of the Sarah Palin trial. It's like you want to tell me she wasn't delighted when the New York Times uh, accused her of whatever they accused her of. You know, I haven't I haven't followed the trial. I did read John Harris's defense of James Bennett, which I agreed with, except 
it's clear what was going on. It's not that he was just trying to make the piece livelier by sticking in this swat against Palin. It's how can we turn this seemingly neutral piece into an anti-Palin uh, jibe that will uh, please our readers because our readers are reflexively anti-Republican, even though a Republic, even though a Democrat uh, did this latest shooting. I mean, obviously that was what was going on. And well, that was for, disreputable. I'm sorry. I love James Bennett. That's disreputable. First of all, because we know James Bennett, uh, we may be more in touch with this than the average. Uh, no, we read the New Times. You know the editorial page is going to twist everything. No, I'm just saying Andy people may need a little thing. background here. Sarah Palin is suing the New York Times for libel, I guess, right? Because of a uh, a, a an editorial seeming to attribute uh, the shooting of uh, Congressperson Gabby Giffords to a map that Sarah Palin's political action committee had circulated that 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 showed these congressional districts with bullseyes on them or something, and one of them was yeah. Gabby Giffords. So, right. so the Times editorial seemed to say, uh, by one reading, that uh, there was a causal connection between these two things, and that's what she is now suing them over. Yeah. I must admit, I, I the guy who the guy who did the shooting was a kook. Okay, he right. didn't read any of it. He was, seems to have been apolitical. Even uh, I, I don't. See, I I, th- I always thought Republicans got away with a lot in the in the Gabby Giffords aftermath. Because if you would if you would ask me which congressional race in the country before before all this happened was most affected, which which Democrat did I most want to lose because it would it was just my emotions were tied up in it. It was the Gabby Giffords race. And why is that? Because uh, it was all tied up with immigration. She was like, you know, it was it was, it was oh. the litmus test of how far the the anti uh, the the, you know, less immigration, tougher borders crowd would go. And she was trying to get away with it by being sort of half liberal, half conservative. Uh, so she so, would have been a Trumpist target had this shooter been a Trumpist, which he wasn't. I mean, yes. But and, and, and had it been eight years later, the Trump is target for election for unseating. Yes, not for of course. Sarah Palin, in retrospect, was a harbinger of Trumpism. A little bit, yeah. They, she fell into that. She was brought actually to, a very brought good, to us by Bill Crystal, who is now an ardent anti-Trump. She was a very good governor, apparently. That's that's the irony of it all. Was she? As, I think Josh Green wrote an article. Who was the best governor in America? He said, "God damn it, it's Sarah Palin." Or. Um, you could ask him, but I'm pretty sure she was. Bill Crystal had a reason for doing what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, and and you know, her acceptance speech at the Republican convention was the high point of the McCain campaign. Much yeah, as they would hate Democrats to were briefly terrified for days. Democrats were terrified, uh, but then they they finally uh, neutralized I, her. I think the speech was written by Matt Scully, but it was delivered really well. So, so. Um, it's hard to say uh, exactly how long we've been going, Mickey, but it's coming up on an hour, I think. Uh, the reason it's hard is because we got disconnected and had to... People may have spotted the seam in the middle. Uh, where, I'm sorry, that was my fault. My computer got unplugged and ran out of power. Uh, oh, so you had actually plugged it in and it just got unplugged? Yeah, but the I, I had stretched the cord so much that it yanked it out of the... So you assume not, full responsibility. It's not very I I like James Bennett, I assume full responsibility. Um I well, I had a couple more things that were sort of are sort of A-worthy, but uh go the, ahead. Uh, well Andrew Andrew Yang 
wrote this good column, nothing new about how, you know, there's a male crisis in America. So a third of the, a third of the labor force, you know, of a certain age, uh, uh, under some impressive age, uh, is unemployed, not in the labor force. More people are living with their mothers at home than are living with their wives or romantic partners. Uh, men have sort of dropped out of society. They're, they're, you know, shooting up and killing themselves or they're getting into trouble. And, uh, and, but how does that jive with his support of the UBI? The UBI will just make it worth. It'll just buy the fentanyl and tell people they don't have to join the labor force at all. They can live on the UBI. It's insane if you believe that there's a crisis well, of maybe it's at men least being would... dropped out and not feeling they have a purpose to also be for the UBI giving them free money to stick around and drop out and not have a purpose. Yeah, but at least you wouldn't have to live with your mother, right? You could move out of your mother's house. Uh if the UBI, you know, you can live better no, if you're with It's your not mother. that generous. You, you, you got true. you got the mother cooks for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a UBI uh, fan or an Andrew Yang fan. Uh, uh, I haven't forgiven okay. him for not not knowing uh, the difference between a uh, well. Anyway, the um. Uh, so, uh, what was your second thing? Oh, the second thing was. Uh, there was there was this ridiculous article saying um, Republicans are betting on black conservatives to win the midterm elections, you know, because they're all the the, the 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 Latino vote and a little bit of the black vote went to, went more Republican than expected, and that's just completely insane. They have five issues that are dead slam dunk winners among the vote of everybody except blacks and Latinos. Uh, <laughs> They have inflation, they have crime, they have, you know, uh, critical race theory, they have the border. Uh, Wait, some of those are of concern to black and Latino voters. Well, they are, they're concerned to all American citizens, yes. But they have have across the board winners. They do not rely on identity politics, do not rely on black conservatives. uh, And and yet somehow there's this this whole segment of the Republican Party that, that sees, that's bought into these ideas the only way that we can win is by wooing away, you know, minorities through ethnic politics. Uh, so they, they, they are, there's apparently a big movement among donors for Senator Scott, okay, who may be a wonderful man, but doesn't seem to me like presidential timber. He's as much presidential timber as other people who run, but I wouldn't say there goes a president. And I, I, uh, yet they say... love Scott because they think he's going to get the black vote for us. This, no, is, this is Tim Scott? I would say he's got his shit together at least as much as the last two presidents, but you know that's not setting the bar very high. I agree. Um, um, so anyway, they, I, I, it's uh, but but John Phillips, the radio host, pointed out to me it is important if Latinos become more conservative on issues like the border because in the even if they're they're going to remain Democrats. But the problem is in Democratic primaries, somebody who's sane on the border has, hasn't had a prayer. I mean, you're looking at it, right? I ran for Senate on a tight border platform. And yet, Bob, I got no traction within the Democratic Party. Really? Where, I whereas, was thinking that that was whereas, like a real nail biter, that election. You were, uh, where, I, I guess I'm getting you mixed up with somebody else. As long as I beat Nick Kristoff, I'll be happy, Bob. Hey, how is his candidacy doing? I, I actually don't know. But the point is, yeah. if Latinos turn on immigration, 
there's a hope for a sensible Democrat to win a primary, which would change the whole complexion of the issue for the better. So love the idea that Latinos are getting more conservative on immigration or not buying the ultra-liberal line, but don't think it's going to help the Republicans. might help formulate better politics. Hey, did you hear there's an item about this in uh, today's issue of the Non-Zero Newsletter? Uh, Once I put it out, that is. Uh, That, you know, what's going to do the trick on the border? They're going to have robot dogs. Did you see that? I saw a picture of a robot dog. I don't think that's robot dogs on the borders. You don't think that'll do it? I think a bunch of them, a bunch of them. I think the cartels are very, very clever and skilled and they will take care of the robot dogs. You think? Yeah. Plus, they're ruthless. They would like kill a robot dog without thinking twice, right? You have to. They'll hang the robot dogs upside down by their heels from bridges. Yeah. The, I I just think um, you want you have to reduce the incentive of the people to come here, and that means you have to have some some threat. If, if they get in the country, they still might be deported, and Biden has eliminated that threat. Uh, I don't know. Some and of you, and look- you have to have an e-verify system, so they're not going to get a regular mainstream job. They're going to be confined to the underground economy, and that's not as appealing. Well, you could put tasers on the robot dogs, right? I'm not recommending it, but I mean... All these high-tech solutions are are the solution of the anti-borders crowd because they think that it will appease the pro-borders crowd because, oh, well, the drones, well, if you have drones, that, that'll, that'll do it. No, drones, all these high-tech things are no substitute for a wall. You need a wall. Uh, and eliminating the incentives to come here. You know, somebody should run for president on the platform that if elected, they will build a wall. Have you thought about it, that? It is, it is weird how all, all of a sudden, you know, after all, of, all of a sudden the Republicans are realizing, you know, he didn't get the wall built at all, did he? They, a, after, his, after he lost the election, they, they would go, well, or while he was running, said, well, he built a little bit of the wall. He built 47 miles of new wall. He, he refurbished this old wall, which he should get some credit for. But no, it was a total flop. Uh, and um, a pathetic total flop. And everybody, almost everybody now can see it. No, you don't see people running around saying, well, they built half a wall. But at least he got rid of Obamacare and gave us something much better as he promised. Oh, wait, he didn't do that either. But I, I, I give him points for not getting rid of Obamacare. But at least he brought our troops home from all the wars. Oh, wait, he didn't do that either. He actually got us more deeply involved, didn't he? No, he set us up for withdrawing from Afghanistan. Uh, uh, you know, on, in a way he did. In a way he trick. did, but that, in retrospect, was a dirty trick. That didn't work out for Biden politically. Although I, I'm in favor of it as a matter of policy. So we should probably go. Uh, I think even with the, um, what are we going to talk about in the Parrot Room at Patreon.com/slash Parrot Room? Um, well, you 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 didn't want us to overpromise on the Parrot Room. Yeah, I, I think sometimes we have listed so many things that uh, we were not possibly going to get to them. Can we, can we list possible topics? We can list, yeah. yeah. No, no guarantees. No, no guarantee. guarantees. But I don't, people want guarantees? There's so few things there that are no, certain in this crazy world, Mickey. Maybe and, we can and, provide and, the certainty and that the people want. the is not for. one of them. Okay. So what is possible? I'm writing possible. Possible from Mickey. Uh, well, there, what is it? The, the main thing is there was a very good article which you had me read uh, by some guy I'd never heard of that uh, uh, 
which I failed to read after. You failed to read. Oh, okay. Well, then but I can no, talk about it No, you'll explain it to me. It'll be great. It'll be on why, why, why that we should not expect wokeness to go away anytime soon. Right. I read part uh, right of it. Now, it seems like right bullshit, now, but... you know, people are, are crowing. The tide has turned. Yunkin is in Virginia. Uh, you know, wokeness is on the run. And this guy said, not so fast. Wokeness is pretty much here to stay for our lifetime. Okay. Uh, and it's a very good article. I think there may be holes in it. I, I don't know quite what they are, but I have some suggestions. Um, you said you had some doubts of my constant use of the word corporatism. Uh, I think I, I just want elaboration. And maybe we okay. could also get in, into your uh, your war on meritocracy, which is related probably. Sure. And um, and the other the other issue is my my idea, my half-baked idea that uh, colleges could have affirmative action for different cultures as opposed to different races. Mm. Uh, I decided halfway through last week this was a terrible idea. And then I decided, well, maybe it's not so terrible. So, so like what, like skateboard, like like you got bad test scores, but you're a good skateboarder, that kind of thing. Or I mean, you're, actually, you're the, you're the emissary of skateboard culture to Harvard, Bob. You're, course, you're, that's or, more of an athletic thing, and we already or, give exceptions to athletes. So no, skateboard be, has a skateboard has a whole culture. They have fashion, they have hairstyles. Do you hear about this uh, birds aren't real subculture? I mean, they don't really believe it, but it's a joke. It's great. It's, uh, you heard about those people? No, I haven't. I, there are a lot of things I haven't heard of. Makes sense when uh, you think about it. Birds don't uh, look real. Uh, and um, we may talk uh, about the, that because okay, I think, but, I think they represent the hope of the next generation. The birds aren't real people. I'm not, I'm really not kidding. I'm really serious. I think at this point, absurdism would be better than what we have. All right. Well, the, you, the, you should really read this whole article. It's right up your alley. I read part um, of it. There's a uh, Mr. Schellenberger. Is that the guy's name? Report about homelessness and how they're all uh, they're all really drug addicts, and it's not that they can't afford housing. Uh, and there are a couple of other key facts he has that I can talk about. D didn't we know that that was a big part of the problem? We didn't know that. We knew it was a big part of the problem, but there, but, but there's still the emphasis on, gee, if only we had lower rents. No, they're coming to San Francisco from all over the country because well, they know they can live there. Some. I mean, it's not a, it's not a monolithic problem. That would help. That would help someone. Somewhat. Uh, uh, so I yeah. think we've covered that. What else? No, we haven't. They, yes, we Francisco, have. It would help some. In San we Francisco, they, they give them $820 of benefits a month. So if you have $820 of benefits a month, you could live on the streets for free and, and not move into a shelter where they have a drug test. Hey, that's a good deal for people from outside the state. And the vast majority of people on the streets of San Francisco are not native San Franciscans who failed to get an apartment because it was too expensive. There are people from the rest of the country who came there because they knew they could get this deal of eight twenty a month and live on the streets. Okay, now we've point. covered it. Thank you. That's what else? Yes. What else? Now we've now we've covered it. Yes. Um, uh, I'll go. I'll say, go. Yeah. We, uh, Vladimir Putin's the 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 um, repulsive joke he told Zelensky or that told the uh, Ukrainians. I didn't hear this. Are you going to tell it to us? Uh, yeah, I mean, roughly. I'm not Bob Saget, but I'm uh, looking forward to a impulsive joke. Oh, yeah, let's talk more about Bob Saget. Well, yeah, I don't have anything to say about that. Okay, well, if you don't have a conspiracy theory, I don't. God knows. 
yet. Although I have the, I have the, you know, I have the break to figure out a conspiracy theory. Yeah, maybe one will occur to you. So um, here's some things I want to talk about. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Steve Pinker had tweeted, it's the 50th anniversary of one of the most important papers in the history of biology and psychology, Robert Trivers's Parental Investment in Sexual Selection. Right. Uh, which gave a deep explanation of when and why sex differences should evolve. I had said, I might talk about it in the parrot room. I said it the next week. This time I'm going to do it. And also, I'm going to talk about the joke that Robert Trivers himself told me which is a parental investment and sexual selection related joke. It's a guy walks into a singles bar joke that is not unrelated to his theory of parental investment and sexual selection. Is I'm going to tell Yeah. Is it a joke Bob Sackett might have told or is it too clean? It's too clean. It's too clean for for him. I mean, what what isn't? What isn't? I ask you. Uh, good. Um, the um, uh I mean, it would it would get a little blowback in some circles, but it's not Bob Saget dirty, no. Um, I want to talk a little more about Joe Rogan and Spotify. Uh, we we didn't even mention the fact that this week was uh, inward apology week for Rogan. I think next next week is scheduled to be fat shaming apology week, but uh, so far no signs of that. But that's that's the big apology I think he has yet to go. Anyway, I want to, I want to talk more about a little more about Rogan and Spotify. Um, I want to talk about a little more about this uh, Pacific War and the Pacific Trilogy. I'm reading my latest takeaways from that. Yeah. Did you know that Jordan Peterson is on some weird diet where he eats mainly meat? Well, that's a longstanding thing. He and his daughter have been shilling for beef forever. Yeah. Uh, okay. But uh, now speaking of which, uh, they did find clonazepam in uh, Bob Saget's... Uh, Bloodstream. I think wasn't that Jordan Peterson's problem, the thing that ultimately led to an induced coma. I don't it, know. It was either that or some other uh, something else in that family. Either that I or Xanax. Whatever he's eating is working for him. So, is it? Some people think he's gotten less coherent. Jordan Peterson. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's some there's some news on uh, on the lab leak theory, Bob. Okay. Good. And there's a little bit of news on decoupling from China. So. Lab leak news, decoupling news. Um, and then I, I want to talk about my my Tom Friedman conversation. It turns out that I'm the Friedman whisperer. I'll elaborate on that. Friedman um, whisperer. Don't, uh, don't let the power go to your head. Well, you saw though, like I, I mean, all, you know, it made me think <laughs> I should just have a conversation with all the influential people and they'll all go, you know, Bob, on reflection, you were right. Uh, and then the world will be saved. What do you think? Yeah, I think that'd work. Um, but don't, you know, there could be a, the, 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 the number one case of power going to somebody's head is Mayor, incoming Mayor Adams of New York, who's. Uh, who's declared that New York must be vegan. <laughs> but then it turns and, out he's not even vegan, and that was all a, a, vegan, a right. cruel hoax, but, right? Well, but it's not. It's a, it's a cruel hoax to the people who are still going to get these crappy lunches, and yet, uh, you know, he's not He's not saying, oh, they can cheat. Uh, so he's not even a vegetarian. It, it reminded me of uh, the scene in Bananas when Esposito, the, the gorilla, finally sees his power, and he says, from now on, everyone who was... Not 16 years old is now 16 years old. 
and you must change your underwear every hour and wear it on the outside so we can check. <laughs> like, and somebody whispers to Woody Allen, the power has driven him mad. <laughs> anyway, that, so, and that reminds me of an actual uh, command issued in a Banana Republic once. That was even crazier and not unrelated to Bob Trivers. And I will talk about that in the pair room. The other thing we'll talk about. Yeah. The official language of the power room is Swedish. Well, you know, which brings us back to Spotify. This Ek guy, he's Swedish, right? The guy runs Spotify. I I interrupted you. You were about to say something. I I, I learned a harsh lesson in uh, about Substack this last week, which I will share with people. When I watched my... uh, I lost 10 paid subscribers in about 36 hours, and I finally figured out why. And uh, I'll share that bittersweet lesson. Uh, that sounds very bitter. Bittersweet. Although you have now hundreds and hundreds of subscribers. so I have my paid subscribers. Paid subscribers are in four figures, Mickey. Four, quattro. You know, and so is our, so is our, uh, our Patreon following. And we encourage... Um, Right. We encourage people to uh, join us at patreon.com slash parrot room. Uh, yes. But, um, you know, if they don't do that, you know what the next best thing would be, Mickey? Send us money. <laughs> no, that's what th- that is. The next best thing would be uh, smash that like button, rate and review us. Tell your friends. Uh, the birds aren't real. Okay. Um, birds are real. <laughs> that's a that's a that see that's the kind of spontaneous humor we have in the pair room and uh, we probably quit while we're ahead uh i will uh i will see you there i will see you there mickey okay